Let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I want to jump to a passage here that we did not read a moment ago. And uh, that's in verse number 46. Those who have been with us in our services for the last few weeks will recognize it, but we've been here for several weeks. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. I want to talk to you tonight just for a minute on what should I feel at Christmas. Verse 46, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray now that you just guide us in these last few moments as we look at the word. I pray, Father, you'd fill me with your spirit, help me to say the things I should, keep me from saying anything I ought not. And help us tonight, Lord, to think about this topic. What ought Christmas to produce in me? What should I feel at Christmas? And I pray, Father, you'll help us to see it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we're often reminded of how many people struggle at Christmas time. I think we've even mentioned it here tonight. Of the reality of unhappiness that intrudes on the Christmas season. It's supposed to be a happy season. And yet, for some folks, it's not. But we learn from Mary's magnificent magnificat that we've been looking at for so long now. We learn from this that one of the results of what happened at Christmas is joy. Rejoicing. Isn't that what she said? Verse number 47. My spirit has rejoiced. In God, my Savior. Joy. It's one of those words we fling around a lot this time of year. We sing joy to the world. We read the angelic announcement to the shepherds in Bethlehem in chapter 2 and verse 10. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. At our house, we even have a Christmas decoration in our front yard. It's a about three foot tall cutout of the word joy. Everywhere this time of year. Well, what I propose that we consider for just a few minutes this evening is the simple truth that what Christmas produced in Mary is what it also ought to produce in you and me as well. What Mary felt at Christmas is what you and I ought to feel too. And as I say those words, I know that there's somebody, maybe more than one somebody in this room, who's sitting there grumbling a little bit right now and saying, that's easy for you to say. You don't know what I'm going through. I just don't feel very happy right now. But it's important we understand what we're talking about here tonight. I didn't say Christmas should produce happiness in you. I said Christmas should produce joy in you. Mary didn't say she was happy. She said my spirit rejoices. She said she had joy. And of course there's a big difference between joy and happiness, isn't there? Happiness is a condition that changes based on our experiences of the day. When I feel good, I am happy. When I don't feel good, I am not happy. Not very long ago, I had the strange experience of getting this terrible vertigo attack at work. So bad, I thought I was having a stroke. I ended up in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. I was not happy. <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of weeks ago, or just a few nights ago, I guess, whenever we had that big rain here a while back, I was at work, and one of our good deacons called me on a 
Wednesday night and texted me on a Wednesday night and said, Preacher, there's water in the basement. I was not happy. A few minutes later, I got a text back from him again that said, Preacher, the water's all cleaned up. I was happy. See, happiness changes based on our experiences of the day. But joy, on the other hand, is not like that at all. Joy is not rooted in me. It's not rooted in my experience. It's rooted in God. And it's rooted in who he is and what he has done and what he does and in my relationship with him. I can and should experience joy whether I'm happy or not. Happiness is fleeting. Joy is forever. When I was just out of Bible college and in my first ministry experience, I was called to go and visit on a visit an elderly lady who had just gone through a very uh, difficult situation in the hospital. She was quite up in years and a widow, had outlived her husband. And uh, she had something wrong with her. I can't remember whether she had diabetes or what, but she had something wrong with her that uh, caused her to lose a leg, and she had her leg amputated. And I was to go and visit with her the very next day. And I was young and, you know, didn't know what to say, still wouldn't know what to say, anything like that. And so I went in there with great trepidation. You know, she's going to be so down, and how am I going to encourage this poor lady and all she's been through? And, of course, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm sure she wasn't the slightest bit happy that she'd lost her leg. But yet when I walked out of that room, I had been in the presence of a Christian who knew the joy of the Lord. And she was rejoicing in spite of her circumstances. Just a few short days ago, our sister Judy Moore went home to be with the Lord. And there was no doubt unhappiness. Unhappiness of of the family. Unhappiness, no doubt, in her that she was leaving so soon and so suddenly. And yet, anyone who was near her at the time saw the joy of the Lord in her as she departed. You know, we can think of, of many such like that, can't we? Christians who seem to be happy in Jesus, regardless of whether or not their situations make them happy or their circumstances do. There's an Old Testament prophet, his name was Habakkuk, and he is perhaps the ultimate example of this. He said in Habakkuk chapter 3, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. If everything that I know and hold dear falls apart, I will still rejoice in the Lord. That's joy. And that's what Mary had. Mary was like that. Certainly she must have known the difference between happiness and joy. Do you think Mary was happy all the time? Imagine what Mary was going through. We just had a song that kind of talked about some of this stuff. Imagine what it was like when Mary had to let people know that she was with child. This was a capital offense in her day. I'm sure there wasn't a whole lot of happiness right there. I'm sure there was a lot of difficult, difficult conversations that took place and a lot of social problems that occurred as a result. Everybody would have believed Mary to have been a wicked woman. Even Joseph, her betrothed, thought it until an angel intervened and convinced him otherwise. I imagine that there was some unhappy moments. And I'm told that pregnancy, any pregnancy, is hard, uncomfortable, difficult. I, I confess I've not experienced it myself, but I'm told that. And, and, and you know, here's Mary. She, she's got to travel this long distance to Bethlehem. Do you think that was a happy time? See, I think, I think that Mary probably had some moments of happiness there, but certainly also some moments of Unhappiness, And yet she said in verse 47, my spirit has rejoiced in God, 
my Savior. See, happiness comes. Happiness goes. But the joy we have in Jesus is constant. She rejoiced. She knew joy. And it was because of God, her Savior. It was because of Jesus. So too with us. So what should Christmas produce in us? Same thing it produced in her. Joy. Here is joy for every age, every generation, prince and peasant, chief and sage, every tongue and nation. What should the birth of Christ produce in us? The same thing that it produced in Mary. Joy. Joy fills our hearts today. The royal child is born, an angel hosts in glad array, his advent keeps this morn. Rejoice, rejoice, the incarnate word has come on earth to dwell. No sweeter sound than this is heard, Emmanuel. Mary said, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. And all of us who know that same person that she called God, my Savior, can say amen. Christmas doesn't always mean happiness. Some probably in this room are not well today. Some probably going through mourning. Some suffering pain from some loss or or, uh, hardship. Some are plainly not going through a period they would describe as happy. But all who understand what we sing about tonight, all who understand what happens on Christmas, have joy. And it's because of Christmas. It's because of Jesus. can't help it. It flows out of it. We rejoice. There's a song we sing at Easter, but I think it fits here just as well. Rejoice. Rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ. The King, the hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find none other, is so loving, so good, and kind. Yes, joy is our message. Peel the Christmas bells. Sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Mary said, my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. So let me ask you this evening, can you relate to that? Can you relate to those of you who are here with us? Is Mary's experience of joy yours? Do you too rejoice in God your Savior? Can you agree with Habakkuk that no matter what dire circumstances might come upon you, nonetheless, you can still rejoice and you still have the joy of the Lord? Would you, like Irma or Judy or countless other examples of believers we could cite, still know joy in the midst of loss? Is that your experience? I want to clarify something because I don't want there to be any confusion. I'm not saying here tonight that this is something you can work up. You can't make it happen. You can't manufacture this joy. You see, it flows from a relationship with that baby in that manger. We have joy because we have Jesus in our lives. He's the reason for our joy, the source of our joy. That baby of which we sing gives us that joy. It comes no other way. We have joy because we have Jesus. The psalmist said, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see the cause and the effect there? In your presence. Again, the psalmist said, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices. You see, when we have Jesus, we have Joy. Psalm chapter 5 and verse 11. Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful 
in you. Isaiah chapter 61, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Paul called it a fruit of the Spirit. He said in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Joy, it comes as a result of the Spirit of God in our lives. And the Spirit of God comes as a result of our being born again, being saved, having trusted Christ. Peter also said it was a result of salvation. He said, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Cause and effect. So let me ask you again. Is Mary's experience yours? Do you have that same level of joy in your heart this Christmas Eve? And my friend, if you have to say no to that, then know that you are the only thing stopping it. There's absolutely nothing else stopping it except you. Christmas is the story of Jesus coming so that you might have it. Christmas is the story of Jesus coming so that you might have that joy. And all you've got to do is take it. I remember one time a preacher friend telling me about his, an experience. He was, he was trying to witness to a particularly hard-hearted individual, and this person just really wasn't interested at all in the gospel. And he was sharing the gospel in every direction he could think of to come. And finally he had, he had given up. He thought, the guy's just too hard. I'm not going to get through to him. And so as he was departing, he looked at him and he said, My friend, he said, just remember this one thing. When you are tired of the way you are living, remember that Jesus Christ can cleanse you from all sin. And you know that babe lying in the manger, that one of whom Mary sang, that one of whom we have been singing all night, he came to cleanse you from all sin. He came to offer you life. He came to bring you joy. And all you need to do is accept the gift and receive the joy. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift that he gave and gives and will never stop giving. I pray tonight, Father, if there's even one here tonight who doesn't know him, that, Lord, you'd save their soul this evening. And that every Christian here, regardless of circumstances, would know the joy that Mary sang about Lord, thank you for the joy that comes from knowing Jesus. Thank you for these moments we've spent here tonight. I pray now as we wrap this service up that, Lord, you'll be glorified and honored. And uh, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. In just a moment, we're going to close our service. And here's what we're going to try to do. We always try to do this the same way. Everybody should have a candle. Does everybody have a candle? Uh, And speaking of these candles... This building was built in 1875. (laughs) This building is made of wood. It is covered and decorated in pine that has been hanging here for a couple of months. So please control the candles. And parents, if your kids can't control the candles, don't give it to them. Make sure the candles are under control at all times. Uh, with that caveat, here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask you to try to gather around. We're going to try to make a circle all the way around the building. We've got a lot of folks here today, so it may be crowded, but we're going to try. Let's go all the way around the building if we can. And then we'll light the candles and sing Silent Night as we depart.
Some folks could work their way up and down the aisle here, I think, and we might be able to get it. Okay. Can you guys stand aside just for a second? I want people to be able to see this as we light these candles. We have been lighting candles the last four Sundays during Advent. We, look, we lit the candle first for hope, and then for peace, and then for joy, and finally last Lord's Day for love. Tonight, the center candle is the Christ candle, uh, in remembrance of the fact that this is Christmas Eve. Let me read one more passage of scripture. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this.